The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. To be an environmentalist without being a vegan is like being a philanthropist without giving to charity. Howard Lyman said that. He's known as the Mad Cowboy, a longtime Wyoming rancher who's famous for being sued alongside Oprah way back in the 90s when she said that she would never eat another burger. Well, we are going to be talking about the environment today here on the Main Street Vegan Show, in particular with our second guest, Lachlan Arts, who has a fabulous initiative called 2020 or Bust. And right now we are going to be talking about something humane, something surprisingly environmental, and something utterly glorious. And that is the revolution. I'm talking about Pilush, the amazing New York City faux fur brand with its founder and designer, Anna Tagliabue. Anna was born and raised in the fashion capital, Milan, and has spent the last two decades um, in the influential houses of Fendi and Prada. She is known and respected among fashion editors, celebrities, and style makers for her attention to detail, knowing eye, and unmatched ability to cohesively style for any occasion. Pilush is Anna's personal and original idea for changing the way faux fur is perceived and worn. Welcome, Anna. Hi, thank you so much for having me. 
It's absolutely my pleasure. I know we had planned for me to visit your stunning showroom and get to experience these furs. But you know what, listeners, wherever you are on planet Earth, all you have to do is go to the website that is P-E-L-U-S-H dot com and it's just like going to a cruelty-free fashion wonderland. The most glorious coats and, and other garments of fur that never belonged to anybody else and never hurt anybody. So, Anna, how did you shift from conventional haute couture to kind couture? Well, uh, it's been a long time, a long journey, but uh, the original idea came to me more than two decades ago while I was working for the Fendi family when I first uh, came to this country. And uh, while I was there, one day they made uh, this fabulous uh, faux fur, and I immediately fell in love with it. I I thought it was something so cool, something from the future, something you know, i never seen before. And, you know, I was always like, quote, unquote, animal lover, you know, that I knew, uh, you know, I wasn't vegan back then. Um, so I was never comfortable working with the furs. And I remember seeing, you know, hundreds of pe- pita people outside the store, climbing on the store with all these signs and, you know, uh, the horrific images, and I was always, you know, that that always was, you know, it, it bothered me. I didn't like it I, because I knew what it was. I knew that these were animals that they suffered incredibly. Um, so I always, uh, I, in all that time, so that was the original idea, but I had to wait 18 years for the technology to catch up. And uh, because and in the meantime, I always looked at, at this product all throughout the years, but just the technology wasn't there. And only about five to six years ago, we can finally have this kind of technology. And you cannot believe how beautiful the fabrics are, how soft, how supple, how, how lustrous. They have shine. They have movement. They're warm. If you don't want to warm, you can go with a flatter fur. And you can replicate uh, any animal in nature and also, um, you know, make up uh, uh, furs that, do- that don't even exist in nature. So how fun is that to make a fur that doesn't exist in nature and make it look like, you know, something fun or something shaggy or so it's a really fun material to work um, with. Um, but, um, you know, we can reproduce chinchilla, the softest fur in the world. We can reproduce a fox. We can reproduce mink. And you cannot believe how, 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 how real they look, this fur, these four furs. Um, so this is something that I'm also very, um, you know, uh, passionate about is, is the technology, the, the future of the technology and the technology, the, specifically the fabric technology that is going um, into the right direction. Uh, so I think very soon we're going to wear something completely different than what we're wearing today, like in 10 years, for example. And I, will, I want to see, I want to eliminate all animals, in fashion and in the food, obviously as well. Oh, so that's when amazing. I first, yeah, 
Yeah, no the more technology. blood fashion. We don't, need, we don't need blood fashion because, you know, when I first started, this was in 2014, and I was not vegan. I started uh, by making, I, I was making some mohair coats uh, with silk linings, but then one day, you know, I didn't really have the courage because I knew that I had to go and look at this industry and understand it very, very well. So one day I had the courage to do that. That was after one, the first year that I started. And my goodness, uh, I just opened a Pandora's box and I found myself, uh, you know, I found, you know, in the most horrific uh you know, uh, vortex of, of horror. So I discovered everything. I discovered, you know, I didn't know about the wool industry, the leather industry, the, the, the exotic skin. You know, I never really questioned it. I never questioned, you know, okay, who, who are my shoes? What are my shoes made of? You know, I never questioned what's behind, what was behind any of those industries. But my goodness, after I, I woke up and I discovered all the horrors, I could not continue uh, doing the mohair and obviously the sick lining. So I had to start the company all over again, and I decided to become, you know, a vegan and make the company completely, totally vegan, 100%. I got the stamp, uh, uh, the PETA stamp of approval. <laughs> And I moved, I did my first um, fashion show as a vegan company. So I put myself in the platform of a luxury vegan company because uh, there aren't any in the, in the fashion platform. I mean, there is only Stella McCartney and that's it. So the, the vegan luxury platform is completely open and we must push it forward uh, and, you know, make beautiful things very high end. I mean, the coats, my coats, for example, are one of a kind. I also do custom, custom uh, colors, custom furs. They have beautiful details. They have embroidery. They have beautiful linings. So they're very, um, very high end. And when you wear them, you have, and this is something that I really wanted to reproduce. I wanted to reproduce a feeling. The feeling of when a woman wears, for example, a real fur or when a woman wears cashmere or silk, what is that feeling, that tactile feeling that, that you have when a fabric touches your skin? So, you know, all the coats are, are extremely well curated um, and they're really soft and supple and, and, and luxurious and glamorous. So, um, and unique. So they really each has their own personality. And, um, as, as do you. <laughs> how, how amazing that you changed your whole company once you found out. Because yes, most people know. know, but they don't change. So what is your hashtag, the Refolution Movement? So then what I realized that what I was doing was extremely relevant and, and is extremely relevant and now more than ever before. It, 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 this, is, this is something that has never been seen before, this kind of product. So it's really like a fur revolution. So that's how the, the, the words came out, and I called it Rayfolution. So it's like Ray for as for fur, uh-huh. and for Rayfolution. Oh, I so love it. We'll put what, that on what, the show notes so everybody can yeah. use the hashtag. 
Yes, so, you know, this is the best possible alternative to real fur. This is the ultra glamour, ultra, um, you know, uh, spectacular pieces. Uh, you know, you enter a room and everybody's going to notice, you know, what mm-hmm. you're wearing. And it's it's just so beautiful and elegant and um, uh- and contemporary because a contemporary woman I mean, a contemporary woman should know where real fur comes from. It's the 21st century, and I cannot believe that even now I have to go out on the street and do the protest to show people how fur is made. This should not happen right now, and especially with the alternative that we have, to wear real fur on the street, it's a crime and should not be allowed. So this is something that we, you know, obviously there are lots of, companies now that are finally um, they're finally um, getting you know they're going for free like Gucci you know but because it's not because it's not fashion or because it's not uh, contemporary it's because it's wrong and that's yes. it there is no other so, word it's wrong Anna, what would you say to someone who says well i don't want to wear faux fur especially if it's really authentic looking because i don't want anybody to think that mm-hmm. i'm wearing an animal's fur yes so that's when I, I get i get that question all the time yes because they do re- look very real i think this is going to change very soon as you can see many many uh, Fashion companies are, are going uh, are switching into fur free, and uh, you see also the fur farming are closing little by little. Every country, country by country, they are they are going to close. But the thing is that it doesn't worry me that much because then you can say it with with the other things as well. You can say it with the uh, with the faux leather, the faux suede. I have some some beautiful faux um, boots that you can never tell, you know, it's not real leather. It looks exactly like leather. So this is something, it's just about the mentality, really. And then we have to switch slowly into, you know, the the technology that we have now. I think it's going to happen. It's going to happen slowly, but it's definitely going to happen. But uh, yeah. Or you can wear your anti-fur pin or, you know, I'm thinking now of, of putting, uh, like, the logo on my coat, for example, so people can know what they're, what, what they're wearing. You know, if you wear a Canada Goose with the, with the sticker there, with their logo, you know what they are about. If you wear a peluche coat with my logo, you know that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a faux fur and, and, and everything that the company stands behind. Mm-hmm. So it's an anti fur company, and, uh, and, and but revolution is is more it's it's more than a fashion statement. Um, it, it's about humanity, it's about change, it's about compassion, uh, morality, and integrity. It's a commitment to become a better human being. And then, and then and then that we have to reconnect, obviously, with the animals and nature. It's really like a revolution of the heart. And, uh, you know, and also I'm very involved with the activism. So I always put activism in, in my fashion. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a house where, you know, a fashion in action. <laughs> Love it. Love and this it. is something that I will always, always do because, you know, I will always use 
passion to advocate veganism as a moral and ethical imperative um, because, uh, you know, uh, it's very important right now. We can't, uh, uh, we have all all the means to change and we just have to, uh, it's it's the core baseline of justice and non-violence and peace. So we need to be, uh, you know, better human beings and, and, and um, you know, really, our choices matter. So it is indeed. Always, so, yeah. Anna, in our last minute, can you just give us a capsule version of what is the future of fashion? Uh, fashion is going to be uh, completely, totally uh, animal-free. That's the future. It's inevitable. <laughs> But it's going to happen. It's going to happen because I can tell you right now, I just went yesterday to to a, a showroom to see some fabrics, and I could not believe the faux crocodile, the, the faux leather, the faux suede. And my goodness, you can do so many things. You can do your own prints. I can't wait to introduce a, a leather, um, a, a, a handbag line, or, you know, an accessory line, you know, some fun things. And also shoes. I would love to do shoes. I would love to do luxury uh, shoes as well with lots uh, of embellishments well, and stuff like that. I'm sure you're going to do all of it. Anna, I, I'm so excited. I'm excited about fashion. I'm excited about peluche. And I'm excited about oh, you, you and this oh, wonderful future. So, everybody, it's P-E-L-U-S-H dot com, peluche on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram. Go there, luxuriate in the pictures, and uh, <laughs> who knows? The next Thank photo you. you see may be your very own. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so uh, much, Anna. The, sorry, uh, the the Instagram is Peluche NYC. Oh, I'm sorry, Peluche NYC. Okay. That's a Twitter yes. and Instagram. This will all be on the um, the show notes quite accurately because I think in the big picture and my virtual assistant, thank goodness, thinks about accuracy. Thanks so much for spending this time (laughs) with us. Everybody else, stay with us because you know what? It's 2020 or bust. Thank you, Victoria. Thanks. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health? help heal the planet and be a great friend to god's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast lunch and dinner authors victoria and adair moran say you can do this easily affordably and deliciously in their new book main street vegan everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. 
The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Somewhere, tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a hundred years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio, Words from Our Past, every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan program. I am your host, Victoria Moran. Not sure I said that before. Our blog this week at MainStreetVegan.net is really special. It's about surviving disaster as a vegan. It comes from Main Street Vegan Academy certified vegan lifestyle coach, Sydney Negron. She and three of our other graduates went through Hurricane Irma and the aftermath of no power and no clean water. And you know what they did during that time and since? They've been making vegans. It's very inspiring. So do check that out, MainStreetVegan.net slash blog and everything else that is going on over there. And what's going on right here, right now, is I am so excited. I have been looking forward to having this guest on the program for a very long time. And he is right here in my living room. Wish you guys were here, too. His name is Lachlan Arts. And his campaign is called 2020 or Bust. Why is that? Because maybe we just don't have as long as some people think to deal with climate change. You know, there's amazing work being done on many fronts to address this awful problem. But one thing is glaringly missing. What's it going to take to 
end it. Thus began Lachlan's mission to bring to the world the reality of climate crisis, and with that, the opportunity to end it. Welcome, Lachlan Arts. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you. How wonderful to have you. So tell us, how did you go from being a mild-mannered regular guy (laughs) to taking on the climate? (laughs) Thank you. I don't know, mild mannered, but uh, but regular certainly true. So, well, um, I got first of all, I never ever in a million years dreamed I'd be a climate activist. Like ever, 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 it wasn't what I wanted. I had no aspirations, and at the time, I was working as a journalist, and uh, literally just said, "Let's do some stories on climate change." And um, and I wanted to really do it from the perspective of the ordinary person, not the scientist, not the government official, not somebody that was really environmentally uh, educated, but just you know, the regular person. And the, the one question I really wanted to get answered was, how long do we have until the crap hits the fan? You know, you hear about climate change and this is happening and the glaciers and but, you know, is it too late? Do we have 50 years, 20 years? You know, what is it? And so. Um, I had some colleagues uh, at the UN who were um, uh, very steeped in the science of climate change, and I had had the opportunity of working with them on previous um, initiatives, and uh, so I went to them and uh, was shocked in that uh, their responses all started with, it's probably already too late, and this was four years ago, and when I said, okay, well, if it isn't already too late, how long do we have? And the, you know, everybody that I went to said somewhere between five and 10 years. And uh, it was just shocking to me because I considered myself a somewhat uh, informed person, but I never would have given that answer. And, and then the other, the next question was, is what we're doing enough? And uh, the answer was unequivocally, unequivocally, you know, absolutely not. And so that's really where the campaign started because I just said, "All right, well, um, if you're on the if you're on the planet, you have a right to know the reality of what's happening." And because where we're headed is about thirty years from now, people are going to look back and say, "Why didn't anybody tell us we would have done something?" And uh, and if you do want to do something about it, you should have that opportunity to do something about it. And uh, so that was really, you know, where it started. And I just dove in head first, started going to all the conferences, just said, okay, this is what I'm going to do full time. Went to all the UN meetings, um, NGO meetings, um, webinars, uh, talked to scientists, everybody. I could, started getting all the studies, you know, reading tons and tons and tons of studies. And again, not, I didn't have any, you know, point of view that I wanted to prove that it was real or that it wasn't real or, you know, that it was, these are the evil people, these are the good people. I just wanted to set up uh, a way for the ordinary person to participate in making a real difference in, you know, the biggest issue of our lifetime. And uh, the first thing that we did when I, as again, as you said, in all these conferences I went to, there's lots of conversations about how we're going to adapt. There's a lot of conversations about progress, but what you don't hear is this is what it's going to take to end it. And when I started having those conversations with people, the many of the experts said, well, you can't talk about it because it's too complex. And I was just too stupid <laughs> to stop there. And so, uh, 
you know, we got um, a team of scientists, great, great scientists together, including, you know, one of the lead authors from the uh, UNEP emissions gap report and, and really just said, look, if you were going to, going to kind of make an end game for this, what would ending it actually look like? And what it would actually look like is that if we could um, get to zero carbon before we use up what's called the carbon budget, that would be ending the crisis. And predictably, that's going to happen in 17 years. We're going to use up our budget. So that, that became the end game. If we can get to zero emissions before we use up our, our carbon budget. And, you know, even I could understand that. And, and uh, But then the problem was, well, if you talk to somebody about 17 years, they'll say, well, call me in 16. You know, no big rush, right? Except it doesn't work like that. So that's when we said, okay, we've got to get a shorter term game that people could play something that 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 gives them a shorter term this is what we we're going to do to actually make you know end the crisis and again with teams of scientists and people much smarter than me um actually came up with and this now has been verified by the white house study the the um ipcc study uh, all that um is that 2020 really is kind of the turning point that if we can reduce our annual emissions carbon uh, carbon dioxide emissions by eight gigatons by 2020 we will have not ended the crisis but we will have drastically impacted it enough that we will be on track to ending it so that's where 2020 or bust came up we sort of 2020 or bust and so if we can reduce it predictably we'll be at 52 gigatons annual emissions in 2020 and if we can reduce that to 44 there's an eight gigaton gap then we'll be on track and then back to the scientists said, okay, well, is that something that ordinary people can impact or is it up to industry? And, you know, what a lot of people think it's just too big for an individual I actually said, no, if we get 500 million people to take some very simple carbon reducing actions, the number one of which was just to reduce your meat. But if we get 500 million people to take very simple carbon reducing actions, that will produce the, the eight gigaton reduction. And so as a collective you know, humanity as a collective global, uh, you know, individuals operating as a collective, we can actually get on track to ending the crisis, but it's got to happen now. And we've got three years to do it. Wow. <laughs> so I'm almost afraid to ask if we're on track. No. So, okay. Kind of thought you'd say that. So, so what distinguishes what you're doing? I know a lot of people are working on this. Yeah. Yes. So what are you doing? And probably more importantly, what do we need to be doing? Okay. Well, one of the things, and again, we are, what we're doing, we are so in honor of everyone else out there that's doing the work that they're doing. 350.org, Al Gore, the United Nations. I mean, it's like amazing, amazing things are being done. And what isn't happening is one, that people are being given the true awareness of the situation. And they aren't being given the opportunity called, what can I do today that will actually impact the end game? That's what's not happening. So what, what, for example, you know, the Paris Accord, which yes. was a very big deal and a wonderful, wonderful deal. Okay. But, um, see, one of the great things about being a fundamentally a nobody, you know, I'm not a big deal scientist, movie star. Everybody talks to you, right? <laughs> 
So I ended up riding the train um, to, uh, to uh, back down from Cornell University, uh, University down to um, uh, uh, Times Square with one of the uh, co-chairs of the Paris Agreement, like the big guy, right? And actually was, you know, asking him what was going to be in the agreement and found out from him that the Paris Agreement is not designed to end climate change. And it's designed to it's do what? Design, well, it, it, he said it was, and it was real education for me, is that the United Nations isn't designed to produce results. The United Nations is designed to bring people together in a spirit of collaboration where very important topics can be discussed. But it's not to produce results. So, for example, I'm in Paris and I'm watching, you know, all the, you know, heads of state go up there and commit to what they're going to do. And China's going to reduce emissions by this in America. And by that time, I had enough of the math done that I knew what was happening. And everybody that went up there, it wasn't enough to end it. And so I asked, well, why isn't anybody telling people that it isn't enough? And the, and what I was told was, well, we don't want to alarm people. Yeah. Oh, Gosh. Right. But sometimes alarm is a good well, thing. Exactly. Like, if your house is on fire, yes. it's alarming, but you'll get over it. But you still want to know what's happening. Right. So, for example, the Paris Agreement doesn't go into effect until 2020. The, the window will be closed by then. And even if the countries keep all the agreements in the Paris Agreement, we're going to warm to over three degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels, which is at least a degree too hot in terms of what's going to be, you know, catastrophic. So explain this, Lachlan, to people who glaze over when the climate change comes up. Exactly. What does that mean? You know, we think of one degree. Okay, it's 70, it's 71. I can't tell the difference. (laughs) What does it mean in this context? Well, yeah, and it's it's great, too, because people think, well, geez, look how cold it is. This can't be climate change, right? Well, this is the temperature, it's not the climate. So what happens with climate change is, so just kind of a fact, right, is that it's generally agreed, there's a global consensus, that what will keep us within what they call the safety zone is if we can limit the temperature increase from pre-industrial levels to a two degree Celsius limit. So in the Industrial Revolution, obviously, when everything, machinery, all that came into existence, that's really when the temperature started spiking. So it just makes perfect sense, right? So we have two degrees that we have to cap it in terms of the increase. We just passed the one degree Celsius level. So we've got, a, we've got one degree of a window left, okay? Mm-hmm. What happens when the, when the temperature rises is that the glaciers melt, the sea levels rise. So it's it's a lot about the increase in the sea levels. Also, every time there's every slight increase in temperature, then the oceans are warmer and the hurricanes, the storms become much more severe. So it really does it really does have an enormous impact on the whole climate system and affects the droughts, affects the, the wildfires in California. There's just such a knockoff effect through nature every time the increase goes up. So yeah, that's that's where it is. So so we're out to have enough people become aware. And I love your, your, your intro to the radio, which is about you know generating awareness, people waking up. 
So people waking up to not only the reality of the situation, but that I have the power as an individual. Because right now, the way we talk about it is people are in kind of a trance, just like you said, they glaze over. You ask anybody about climate change, even people that are working in climate change, and it's just huge. It's complex. It's like overwhelming. We simplified it, okay, so that the science is still rigorous, but it's simple enough for anybody to get a handle on and actually be able to, you know, do something about it. So, for example, I'm going to, you know, uh, if we had, you know, if I eat, uh, I I was going to eat a steak, for example, and I don't eat that steak, that saves 20,000 gallons of water. That's a big deal. What does saving water have to do with climate change? Well, because there's so much, there's so much, sorry, there's, in terms of the resources, for example, that go into producing beef, that go into producing, you know, agriculture, the whole business of industrialized agriculture. So if if a family, for example, a family that eats meat, it takes 20 times more land to produce their meat in terms of the land that's got to be there for the cattle to feed. That then for, and what happens with the reduction in the forestation that then doesn't capture the carbon. That then what happens with the methane um, that gets expunged from the cows, right? So there's all of that that goes into rather than if a family has a plant-based diet, that takes one twentieth of the amount of land to grow that the, to produce that family's food than the other. So it's, it's again, as I said, it's the, you know, we have a, a 2020 or bust app. It's called the game of the century and you can download it on the uh, Apple store or in the Google store. And it's called 2020 or bust. And then what you do is you put in uh, where you live and then you've got five areas of actions that you can take, really simple things. I'm going to do something around my house in terms of solar panels or changing my light bulbs or things that, you know, most people can do. I'm going to look at my transportation habits. You know, one day a week, I'm going to take the train instead of drive the car. Um, eating habits. I'm going to reduce my uh, meat intake. Um, consumables. I'm going to buy less plastic. I'm going to look, pay more attention in terms of, you know, what the containers are that I'm buying and what's recyclable and what isn't and, and you know, what's uh, actually supports sustainability and what doesn't. Or I can plant trees. And so those five areas and then given whichever one you pick, those ones that you pick, then together in terms of where you're living, you get your own 20 or 20 budget. So and everybody that's on the app their budgets are are uh, put together, aggregated, and we have the global game. So that I can, because what we wanted to have for people is, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna eat meat today, and I want to be able to see what does that impact that not eating meat today. What does that impact on the 2020 game? So that I can, I can start to relate to myself as someone who has the power with the specific choice that I make right now to produce a global impact that what I do actually affects people in Africa. What I do, that, that it's that kind of community event. That's amazing. And I love that it's an app and I love that it's a game because <laughs> yes. that way, you know, you're, you're going to get younger people yes. who yes. need to know this because yes. they're going to inherit the, the brunt of it. Yes. So what about when I hear people say, well, I don't know if I really believe in climate change. And I'm thinking it's not the Easter bunny. 
<laughs> I mean, the, the bulk of scientific evidence exactly. is this is happening. Exactly. So is this fear or, or is this just, you know, if I don't look, it won't be there? Well, I, you know, I think it's, there's, I don't know what, what you call human nature, but, but it, you know, it tends to be, it's, it's like when you stay in, you travel a lot, right? Mm-hmm. I travel a lot. Okay. So you're in a hotel, the alarm goes off. Do you run to the lobby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wonder. You wait, right? Yes. It's probably a false alarm. <laughs> You'll wait for an announcement, or, or but that's just kind of how we are. It's like until it's right there. Yeah, it, it kind of until it's right there. Now, you know, I go to these conferences. And, you know, you'll see people from, for example, the island uh, countries in the Pacific. And that's a whole different deal. Mm-hmm. And they will, they'll, you know, tell me, listen, you go back to your office or wherever it is in Brooklyn, we go back to are people that don't have anywhere to live and nothing to eat. They're underwater. So they're like, you talk about 1.5 degrees, 2 degrees, you know, you're on a different planet, but it's there, but we don't have that experience, especially or a lot in America. I mean, even, in, you know, there's now those the king tides that they have in, in Florida, where, you know, it's on you know, regular basis on certain months of the year, uh, the streets flood. Hmm. Oh. But still, it's it's it, it's it's not being dealt with as the kind of the crisis that it is, you, which is why we don't work. What the government is doing it, that's fine. But we're working with the individuals. Yes, it is interesting. I think that we can now look at our own lives and see where more of this is touching us. It didn't even occur to me that when I talked about the blog post at Main Street Vegan this week, that's about a hurricane that might not have happened or might not have been as severe had we not been in the situation we're in. Yes. Four days ago, I was in Santa Barbara, California, talking with people who had gone through fires yep. and then those awful mudslides, yes. all related to this. Yes. Uh, the fires in Santa Rosa, uh, one of our, our great uh, vegan uh, dietitians, Jill Nussanow, had to evacuate that. Our wonderful physician, Dr. John McDougall, yep. lost all his property in the fires. Yep. So I think we're beginning to see, yes. if not a direct friend, a friend of a friend, somebody we know, somebody yep. we've heard of directly impacted, even in this country. Absolutely. So I think we need to keep our eyes Absolutely. open. And, and that, that part of what our our game is, is to wake people from the trance. That there's also this kind of, well, something will happen. You know, some technological, you know, or there. And I mean, there's some very frightening things out there, too, like shooting sulfur into the atmosphere to somehow get the carbon out. I mean, you know, burying carbon in the ocean in lead containers. I mean, all kinds of things that are, you know, it's like, well, if we can just come up with technology, we don't really have to change our lifestyle. <clears throat> for for my audience, most of whom are vegetarian or vegan or moving yes. in that direction, yeah. I think there's a little bit of confusion about how important is carbon yes. and how important is methane. Yes. Well, they're both very important, okay? Um, we really work primarily in uh, kind of carbon and carbon equivalencies just because we wanted to keep it really, really simple. But the less cows, the less methane. So that's kind of, you know, and methane is much more dangerous than carbon, but 
all of our calculations and science, we're dealing primarily with carbon and, you know, we want to support everybody that else that's, you know, that kind of thing. But just in terms of the models that we've developed to keep it really, really as simple as possible, not, you know, simple as it is, um, we deal specifically with carbon, carbon okay. dioxide. So for someone who is already not consuming animal products, yeah. what is the next number one important thing that that person can do? Share that with other people. Okay. Really, because because yeah. it, it's it's you know it's just a you know it's just a simple thing. Like we, I just had a situation with a really really good friend of mine who's just kind of had this thing about vegan and you know and I've been vegan for a while and I and I remember I, I remember you know twenty years ago when you went into a restaurant and wanted something vegetarian it was tasted terrible. I mean you know <laughs> it's no two ways about it, right? But the stuff now, I mean, is just so delicious and so the texture that everything. So, you know, we took him to this really great vegan restaurant and he was like, whoa, this is awesome. And now he's vegan. Ah, you know, great. but it was that one lunch. Yes. But it just kind of he wouldn't. I could have talked to him until he's. But it's like, no, I'm going to take you there. You'll you'll see it. You'll taste it. I'll show you if you don't like it. That's OK. But, you know, so that kind of. You know, that just sharing that with him made all the difference in the world, yes. both him and his wife. Wow. So so all my vegan chefs and restaurateurs out there, you are not allowed to have a bad day. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so, we, so we've so got the food. We're getting everybody else over on the food side. Yeah. Then what do we do? Well, then you, you just, whatever else there is that, you know, in terms of your consumables, buy less plastic. You know, I mean, you know, about 90% of the, of the plastic in the world is not recycled. And people think, oh, I can use it as long as I recycle it. No, it isn't like that. You know, and again, it, it, it's not our fundamental focus. But boy, the impact that it has in the ocean, the impact that it's just, it's just amazing, right? And, and the other thing, you know, that, that we, on the app, because we, we keep the app very simple, but we also want to offer people information if they want to dig into something. Well, I want to get involved in the oceans. What's there? Okay, so then that's their available tool. I want to get what else? You know, so so it, it's it's you know again, it's been a real education for me and and um, just a real opportunity to wake up to the difference that someone can make, you know, that that what we say is, and we use the word crisis. People say, well, it's got a negative connotation, but you know, the, the Chinese symbol for crisis means critical moment. Mm. And what a critical moment for us to be in when humanity is fundamentally in the process of extinguishing itself. And will we wake up in time? So, so we say that it's not a crisis of climate, and that's happening, but it really is a crisis of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I had the, so that's... Right. So how about let's just have some real life scenarios. Uh, I'm somebody who wants to take a vacation. Yeah. So am I okay with flying across the country? Should I drive (laughs) or should I take a cruise? Is that better? Is that worse? How do we make these kinds of responsible decisions? So a cruise is not good. Well, I mean, a cruise in terms of the amount of the uh, fuel that gets burned, but well, here, look, the, what's important is that you ask the question. Mm-hmm. That's what's really important because that's, that's where everything starts. So if you say, okay, for example, so we're going to take a vacation. Where are we going to go? What kind of, what kind of carbon footprint are we going to leave on that vacation and really do the research? Okay, we're going to fly. Okay, can we take a train? 
Is there something else? Could we go somewhere that we wouldn't have to fly? Could we fly part of the way and then do a different kind of transportation? But but that's how it works. And and we're not, you know, obviously, as like any game, some people are going to be totally radical. Just stop everything. You know, I have this amazing somebody on our team that's just, you know, just moved to Salt Lake City, completely got his house solarized. I mean, his solar panels, bought an electric car, plugs his car into his house. I mean, he's like set, right? And and everybody's not going to do that, but that that's what he did. But it's it's the act of producing some kind of reduction. It was going to be this, and now it's going to be this. You know, if every family in America just took one meal a week that was going to be a meat meal and had it be a plant-based meal, that's the equivalent of taking 5 million cars off the road. Fascinating. Right? And when I can put make the connections like that, then it's like, man, I love doing that because then you're not going to eat meat that night. But it's not a sacrifice. It's not. It's like, no, we are doing this for ourselves, for humanity, for the planet. This is our shot to make a difference by eating these vegetables. It's so interesting to me that to save the future, it almost needs seems that we need to do certain things like people did 50 years ago. Yes. And I remember 50 years ago, most people had one car. (laughs) Most people had a window air conditioner. That's right. And so it's maybe just a little bit of uh, what some people would call the good old days (laughs) in some ways. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But but updated to really save our planet and and our children. So what are the biggest challenges you face doing this? People, people, people's resignation that they can actually make a difference in the area. That's the biggest thing we face, that, 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 that there's nothing I can do, that they look at us like we're naive. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge and, and kind of the, the um, delusional kind of optimism that somehow it's just all going to turn out. Yeah. You know, somebody's going to fix it. No, no, everybody's working on it. Look how cold it is. Look, it's, you know, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right. So it's that kind of thing. And so that, that to have, you know, kind of cause that kind of awareness. Mm -hmm. So do you have some favorite companies? I know we always like to say that the big companies are the bad guys. And I think lots of times they are, but, (laughs) but it does seem that there are a few people out there that I'm thinking of, but I'm not going to say because I might be wrong. No, if if we want to, purchase something or, mm. or, or be a customer of, of some of these companies yeah. who who's really trying to do something decent. Well, Ikea has definitely taken the lead. Um, you know, I got to, um, uh, be with their, I, I'm going to, I know this is not going to be his title, but something like the sustainability director, um, in one of the conferences and they really have taken a stand for zero carbon, um, their packaging, you know, so, so their company is definitely, you know, on the front lines, um, you know, Tesla, obviously. Yes. Right. Um, everybody can't Vegan afford too. a Tesla. <laughs> exactly right. Everybody can't afford a Tesla, you know, I know, but that, that, that's definitely happening. And, um, you know, uh, again, I'm, I don't know in terms of the, uh, actuality of it, but I know that, Apple, for example, was one of the uh, first companies to actually use the word ending climate change 
and their annual report. You know, that it's time to start is something like it's time to stop progressing it and start ending it or something like that. So, um, uh, and I know that, uh, you know, they have a campaign in their company where people, you know, have individual budgets and carbon footprints and things like that and on their teams and departments and things like that. So I know that they, um, are working in that arena as well. And, um, that's kind of who I'd say off the top of my head. So would you say that just about everything that people think of as being environmental, mm-hmm. so we're talking about shorter showers, turn off the lights when yeah, you leave yeah, the yeah. room. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Does all of that help the climate? Absolutely. Too? So it's Absolute, all connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's an amazing thing when you, when you start to relate to yourself as someone of the world, you know, like that I'm connected. I have a connection to the animals. So your previous guest was talking. There's a there's a connectedness to that. There's a connectedness to, to the other people of the world. There, you know, that what I do really does have a ripple effect on everything. Then I really start to relate to what I do during the day in a different way because I've got that kind of power now. I love it. So just in, in our last minute, Lachlan, I think some people think, oh, I don't want to be an environmentalist. That seems uncomfortable. Oh, and I think exactly. they get the idea oh, of no, Birkenstocks no. Oh, no, and no. granola. Oh, no, 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 no. It's why it looks, oh, no, no. It's why it's our whole app. Look, we've got to get, we want to have this thing be hot, sexy, 2020 or bust. I mean, really, okay? So we want to get into fashion. We want the people that are watching reality TV. We want this app to be, you know, we're in the process of upgrading the app. We have this whole global launch here in the, in the uh, you know, early uh, part of 2018. And, oh, no, it's got to be sexy, fun, everything. No, no, no. I, I, I'm totally with you. I'm completely with you. So your life is as comfortable today as it was when you were contributing to climate change. Well, it's more, it's, it's, yeah, it's actually better. Yes, I would say so too. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you're here in a green building in Harlem. Yay. I can take you to the train. I took the train. The solar panels, you took the train. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we're drinking our water from actual glasses and it came from a glass bottle. So Good. And I've got my uh, travel mug with me is where I drank my coffee. Absolutely. So you make it a game. Totally. Like you say. And the game is called 2020 or Bust, the game of the century. Luckland Arts, thank you so, so much. And everything's 2020 or Bust. The hashtag, the Twitter, the Instagram, all 2020 or bust. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes as well. Thanks Great. also to Anna Taglia Bu of Pilush. Oh my gosh, they're gorgeous. Thanks to Unity Online Radio, our engineer Jeff Comfort, and to all of you, God bless you. Eat your veggies. the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love. 
Be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Available, you pray the free prayer app from Silent Unity. For more than a century, people from all over the world and all walks of life have turned to Silent Unity. With you pray, our confidential prayer support is easy and convenient to access. With you pray, you can send your prayer directly to Silent Unity. You pray also includes affirmations you can share with family and friends, plus audio meditations for your prayer time. For more about the free you pray app and links to download. Visit silentunity.org slash app. That's silentunity.org slash app. Have you ever stood by a railroad track when a fast train was approaching from a distance? As the train came nearer, the roar of the engine and the screech of the whistle seemed to rise in pitch and become louder. As it came alongside, it seemed larger than life and ready to engulf you. Then as the train passed by, the sound became lower in pitch and loudness until at last it was merely an echo in the distance. Just like that train, sometimes our experiences appear larger than life just before they pass us by. It seems they are going to engulf us, and then suddenly they're gone. Perhaps you are in a larger-than-life situation right now. Changing your thoughts can result in positive changes in you and the world around you. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, 
educate, and grow on this journey together.